You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome everyone to the PJ's cast. I'm your host, Pierre Strong, alongside of Vinny. What's going on, Vinny? I am very good. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. So, um, first round of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs has officially ended with uh, Vancouver beating the uh, St. Louis Blues, defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues in six games. And uh, second round matchup are decided, obviously, our Chicago Blackhawks, unfortunately, out in five games to the Vegas Gold Knights. Unfortunate, but I mean, there's can't really be too uh, disappointed at the seasoning the or season the fact that they were even in that they got a chance to play in the qualifying series they beat Edmonton and then even though it was only five games against Vegas three of the games <laughs> were by one goal and yeah. one game was overtime so yeah I don't know I think I think Pierce we can you know it sucks that the season's over but I think you know we can feel good about it knowing that it, it feels like they made the most of it don't you think yeah, um, it wasn't like uh, 2017 where they bowed out in four straight against Nashville and just did seemingly didn't show up yeah. at all. At least they went out with some with some pride this time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of discussions whether what the Blackhawks do this offseason, especially with the stagnant cap and RFAs like Dominic Kubelik, Dylan Strom, is Corey Crawford even going to be back? I think. Uh, we're going to talk about those in another episode. We actually have Scott Powers of The Athletic joining us. I don't know when that day will be, but we'll discuss those topics more. We kind of just want to, in this episode, um, talk more broadly about the NHL, discuss the second round uh, series, and go over our first round brackets and see how well we did because um, I don't think we ever did our official uh, predictions for the first round. And... In the podcast, like our brackets or went over brackets, I can't remember. Oh, no, I, I think we, we did. We did. Oh, we did? Okay. We did, yeah. So going over my bracket, I went four for eight. So I chose Vegas to beat Chicago in six games, and they beat them in five. I chose Arizona to beat uh, Colorado in seven games just because I was oh. really high on oh. Arizona. But, uh, yeah, that ended up See, let me let me, pull up, let me pull up my bracket because right. other, other than the Hawks going all the way, I think I did pretty good. Um, Dallas, I had beating Calgary in six games, which is, I believe, the only series I got right, and the amount of games as well. Um, I had uh, Vancouver, or sorry, St. Louis beating Vancouver in in uh, seven. I, yeah, I knew think it was going to be a too, close actually. series. I knew it was going to be a close series, but uh, kudos to Vancouver the fact they were able to beat the 
defending Stanley Cup champions, and we'll have a new champion for 2020. Um, in the East, actually, I got the series right, the team right, and the amount of games right as well. I got uh, Philadelphia in six games. Uh, I had Tampa winning in six games. They beat Columbus in five. I had uh, Washington beating uh, the Islanders in six, and I just keep underestimating the New York Islanders, and they keep doing well. So, yeah. Um, I had Carolina beating Boston. Oh, man, actually, that's a rough go. How, how many did you get? <laughs> um, okay. Three for eight in the yeah. first round. That's only one worse than what I did, really. So, yeah, I really thought Carolina was going to do a lot better against Boston, but I think I kind of part of me underrated. I said, oh, my God. Yeah, I think Svechnikov going down really just deflated them, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. That was a big bull for them. And Boston, I kind of underestimated I really, yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, I mean, how about them? They, you know, playing without Pasternak and Rask and – and they play that good, like that just shows how deep of a team they have. Definitely. Um, so I had Vegas and Arizona in the second round. At least I got Vegas there. I had uh, uh, Colorado, or no, I had Dallas and St. Louis. And it's uh, Colorado and Dallas now. Um, and then the East, Philadelphia and the Islanders. I had Philadelphia and Carolina. And then I had uh, Tampa Bay and Washington, but now it's Tampa Bay and Boston. So, you know what? I'm at a 50% average, so I guess I'll take that. <laughs> um, so let's get into our second-round predictions. What series – do you have a, ser- a particular series you want to start with first? Or? Um, hmm. let's, let's start with Vegas and Vancouver. Why not? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, so – I think Vegas should win this series. Yeah. Um, how they were able to shut down the Blackhawks, albeit I think the Canucks are a better team. I think they'll make it a closer series, but I think Vegas yeah. at the end with their their deep team, their ability to roll four lines and to play hard and aggressive and yeah. all that, I think they beat Vancouver. You know what? I'm going to say seven games. I think Vancouver okay. takes the distance, but I think Vegas takes um, seven. So I think Vegas too. Um I definitely think they'll they they obviously they they match up better with Vegas than the Hawks do, but I think if Markstrom I think I think Vegas is going to win in six, but if Markstrom is at anything less than his best, though I think Vegas will win in five. Yeah, Markstrom definitely has the capability of uh, stealing a game or two. Yeah. Um, what series do you want him to do next? Um. You know, let's let's make this let's let's go to the hard one. I think obvi- uh, the obvious hard one, and that's Tampa and Boston, if I believe. Right. If I recall correctly. Yeah. That's um, <laughs> this series, I mean, you know, you know from, from from Boston's point of uh, point of view, you know, they're they proved to everyone. Well, proved. I mean, they went to the Cup Finals last year, but uh, they had to play without Pasternak and Rask. Um, throughout the series, and was he out the whole series? No, 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 no. Rask. Wait, no. I just mean, I mean, like uh, in certain points. No, but how like, long I, was Pasternak out for? Like, which games was he out? Uh, I think he played this the first. I don't know. I don't know exactly. I think he played the first couple games though. Oh, don't okay. quote. Don't quote me on that. But anyways, yeah. they showed how well they can play 
without uh, Pasternak and Rask, and those are two key players for them. And I remember watching the that, the game where we first found out they were going to be without Rask and Pasternak, and they just they played lights out. And kudos to them. And then you have Tampa, who, if there's any year that it looks like they're the real deal, I think it's this year. They've looked fantastic, um, especially like a, a guy like Braden Point. <clears throat> So I think this series is going to go seven games, and I'm going to go with Boston. Oh, really? I'm going to go Tampa in seven. I think either way this uh, series goes to seven, but I just think, uh, I mean, Halak did a really good job of stepping in. I just don't know if he's going to be able to hold yeah, up that's well Yeah, that's enough. a big question mark. Yeah, yeah, hold up well enough in this series against Tampa Bay. Again, they're just they're so evenly matched. But uh, when in doubt, I always try to go for the better goaltender, and I think Vasilevsky is better. Though it wouldn't surprise me if Boston pulls this off because I really didn't think they would do it against Carolina. Yet they did. So I'll go Tampa in seven, but I'm not shocked if it goes Boston. But I think it's just going seven games either way, and I think it's going to be a great series. Yeah. Okay, so let's go now to <clears throat> uh, we got Philadelphia and New York Islanders. So what, do you, yeah. what do you think about this one, Pierce? So, Philadelphia should win, but I constantly underrate the Islanders. So, oh man, I'm gonna go Flyers in seven. I think the Islanders give it really close. I think they have. I think Islanders have the better start, where they kind of play good defensively. But then I think Philadelphia kind of starts to figure them out towards the end. But uh, honestly, at this point, it would surprise me if the Islanders won. But yeah. Uh, I picked the Flyers well, to go far, and I'm going to continue with that, so I'm going to go Flyers in seven. I think it's a close series, more than people think it is. Yeah, and I, I think I think the Flyers will win too, but certainly from the Islanders' point of view, they're going to be feeling, I definitely think they're feeling a lot better about beating Washington the way they did than Philadelphia will be about how they beat Montreal. So um, I, I, think, I think Philly will win in six games. And uh, well, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Philly in six. Yeah, um, last series Stars Avalanche to me, this is the least. This is so series, easy. At least in my opinion, I underestimated the Avalanche the first time. They, it's not really that I underestimated they, them. It's just I really wanted Arizona to win because I really like them. But uh, um, I'm going Colorado in five just because yeah. they played so so well against Arizona, especially those last two games where they scored, I think, 14 goals in two games. And not only do you have Nathan McKinnon rolling, you also have Nazem Kadri rolling, which, I mean, in previous years, Colorado, if you didn't have goal scoring outside of McKinnon, you're kind of done. But now they got Nazem Kadri this year. Of course, you got Kale McCarr from the blue line and Philip Grubauer's a solid goalie. He's underrated, in my opinion. So they're probably going to go deep. They're definitely going to that third round at least. And so, yeah, I'm going to go Avalanche in five games here. Yeah, I mean, my God, do the Avalanche look good? I mean, you mentioned the superstar talent with McKinnon, but then, but then they're just they're as deep as anyone. I mean, they're they're four lines deep. They got a good top four, and Grubauer in net is super underrated. Like I, I mean, you look at it, and you know, Colorado in the overall grand scheme of things, they don't give up a lot of shots. But when Grubauer is put to the test, he usually answers. So I think that's why he's a super underrated goalie. Um, 
even Francouz for them as a backup. I know they can they really can put any goalie in. Yeah, Yeah. they're they're good. And and so and when you look at it that way, they really don't have a weakness to their team, like like an actual weakness. So, and then so uh, on Dallas's side of things, I mean with with Ben Sagan and Radulov not playing to their top ability. I don't see how Dallas stands a chance, and I think at this point they'd be lucky to get a game. So I'll, I'll but I'll, I'll give them a game. I'll say Colorado in five. Yeah, um, Pavelski and Gurionov have been good for yeah. them, but yeah, if they want to have a chance in this series, I think Ben Sagan, Radulov, those guys really got to get going. And it's not really anything against Dallas. It's just Colorado is such a good team, and they're just that good this year. Yeah, we were kind of talking about it in the chat, but that. If it does play out this way, Colorado and Vegas play in the Western Conference. Oh, this could be like 2014 where you got the two uh, juggernauts of the West going at it. And whoever yeah. wins it might just be the Stanley Cup winner. But I also think we can't underestimate, as, yeah, underestimate the teams in the East. Such yeah. as teams like uh, Tampa, Boston, whoever makes it out, and Philadelphia, or even the Islanders for that fact. You can't count them out. But man, if they those teams do go out in the Western Conference final, it's, it's hard not to picture one of them coming out as a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens in this second round. But um, I think glaringly we agree that it'll probably be Colorado Vegas. And I mean, yeah, like I I, I mentioned it in the group chat, and and uh, you uh, you mentioned it too, Pierce. That you were thinking the same way. This has yeah complete Chicago LA meeting in the conference final vibes, where you think you know realistically. Uh, most people would think that that team, the, the team that wins that series, will win the cup. But yeah, in the East, I think I think uh, you got Boston, you got Philly, you got Tampa as the three main ones that I think. Like obviously, we can't underestimate the Islanders, like you said, because they've been surprising people all along. But I think one of those teams, should they make it, uh, will give whoever comes out of the West a test. But I also think that the East, with it being that competitive just from the start, that's going to have an effect on whoever comes out of the East, where I feel like uh, the East team will probably be a bit more tired and banged up than that West team. What do you think about that? Well, we're thinking about whoever comes out of that Western series, it's going to be a tough series, but it's just, I guess so hard not to imagine one of Vegas or Colorado coming out on top and um, one thing I want to bring up Vegas reminds me of the LA team kind of they play more of a defensive heavy four check game whereas Colorado was kind of more like Chicago where they're more skill and speed and I think yeah that, that that'll be that'll be a nice clash kind of in that conference final both teams play with a lot of speed but i think colorado is more quick but also i think vegas plays that more uh yeah. plays a bit of a more structured game than vegas is so yeah i would definitely want to see that but you know what vancouver in there vancouver and colorado wouldn't be bad either really yeah um if, yeah i think i think in 2020 you got to be able to like to be that top team you got to be able to play anyway and you know, Colorado and Vegas are just that. I mean, uh, even Colorado with all their speed and skill, they can play a gritty game too. Like they got they got some size in their lineup. Um, and Vegas, we know how hard they play, um, how structured they play. So yeah, it's it's a matter of you know what, like if 
like if you're Colorado and Vegas, you know, if you want to play a speed game, they can do it. If you want to play an aggressive game, they can do it. If you want to shut it down and play defense, they can do it. And, um, you know, backed up with strong goaltending, that's what makes them uh, really scary teams. Yeah, and you're thinking Colorado, oh, maybe they don't have the grit that uh, Vegas has, but you've seen some of the videos on Twitter yeah. of Nathan McKinnon just running into yeah. people and destroying them. Like, he's a he's an animal. Like, we always think of Nathan McKinnon as this offensive superstar, but no, he's, he's, he's getting he's strong. If you get into a one-on-one with him, like a confrontation, like a physical confrontation, he can he can take you down, no problem. He's yeah, he's strong. He's a bull. He's he's so yeah. strong in his skates. And then you got like Nazem Kadri, who's strong as well. The guy Gabriel Landeskog, Mika Randis, these guys aren't like soft by any means. They're they're and then and on the back end you got you got you got guys like Zadorov and Ryan Graves, uh, Ian Cole, who are who can who play aggressive. So. Um, and then up with Pittsburgh. Yeah, and then up front, uh, they also got some nice pieces in that bottom six. I want to say like, uh, I think am I thinking the right of the right guy, Burakovsky? Yeah, Burakovsky also won a couple yeah. with uh, Washington. Um, and I'm I'm missing some names, but Don yeah, Skoy, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, like there you go. Those are guys. Pierre that Edward Belmar, yeah. um, Matt Nieto, uh, Matt Calvert. Yeah, like they're. Kind yeah, of like typical, the, the list nice. go, yeah, the list goes on. They got some, they got some, uh, some grit too. So, <laughs> yeah, we can't forget uh, better than uh, Leon Dreisaitl player Valerian Shushkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's the Russian name. That's, <laughs> that's that's the other Russian name I was thinking of. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Can't believe I, I left him last, but you know what? The best <laughs> is for last, obviously. I would. I was like, joke. I have a friend at work who's actually an Avalanche fan, and we're kind of joking around about the whole Nachushkin thing. And I'm like, who's better, McKinnon or Nachushkin? He's like, damn, that's a good question. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> He's got more grit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that, close. yeah <laughs> we'll we'll see. I guess. So. Yeah, that's that covers everything. Yeah. I don't know if you want to get into kind of the the Blackhawks or not. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's let, let's touch on some things. Why not? Yeah. So, um, one thing I really took away from this playoff series is that I think the Blackhawks are a playoff contender, but they're not a Stanley Cup contender. They can make it to the playoffs. They beat Edmonton, but they're still a ways off of being a Stanley Cup contender. Like, they, of course, they beat Edmonton, but uh, they definitely had their hands full with Vegas. And yeah. Vegas obviously is that uh, true cup contender, and it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if they go on and, and win. And, and yeah, and you know what, Vegas that uh, you mentioned like uh, the Hawks being the youngest team in this whole thing, and they learned firsthand what it takes to be a, a true Stanley Cup contender, and and that Vegas lineup is no joke, and they saw it firsthand what it takes. So. Um, I think there's a lot of positives to be taken out of their run. And and you know what? I, I don't know about you, Pierce. They showed me a lot of character throughout that low, throughout this little run they had. Yeah, they and never even, really... Sorry, they yeah, sorry, never I'll, really... I'll, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, they never really... Like, even when they're out of games, they'd always, they'd always try to battle back. They'd always be resilient, which are, especially against the Edmonton series, really showed they could always be able to come back. They had those huge third periods and game three and game four which they both won and 
you know, they had some they had some fight in the Vegas series too. Yeah. Um you think game two, they were down two nothing and they came back and tied it and they were down three two, they came back and tied it and it's just they were never like there was never really a game where they were truly out of it, except maybe game one, but like game two to game five, they were always in there. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, you mentioned the Edmonton series. Uh, like it felt like almost every game they they'd go down early and and they're able they're usually they're able to bounce back and so that shows me resilience it shows me character and then in the Vegas series where you know that they're you're going up against a team that that is better than you in just about every way I think goaltending Corey Crawford outplayed Robin Leonard um, I think that'd be fair to say but um, yeah they just they they competed they battled and they didn't show any quit even no. even even in that last game when they went down, um, they were still battling right till the end. So, a lot of a lot of positives uh, to take from this little run, and I think going forward, um, it can instill an overall confidence in the organization. Um, just moving on from from that. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing this uh, off season is the Blackhawks need to like build off that season they can't take a step back they need to take yeah. a step forward and i think that was huge for this franchise to get that uh, series one against the oilers and of course even though you lose in five games they still took a step you look at 2017 or yeah even, yeah even 2017 2018 2019 it just seemed like every year they were regressing and yeah, you're just wondering: Would you ever get back to the big show? Would Taves and Kane ever get another shot at the playoffs? And they did. And guys like Kirby Doc, who was amazing, really uh, came into play. And Adam Bogfist, unfortunately, he looked a little rough, but I think that's to be expected of a defenseman he, who he's, just turned 20. Sorry to cut you off, Pierce. I think oh, Bogfist. No I think Bogfist, out of all the young guys, is the guy that's going to learn the most. From from this from this low run, I think like um, just going forward, I, I think he's I think he's the guy that takes the most from this run. Um, you know he had it he did have a he had a rough go, but um, I think he knows now that I think the main glaring thing for me I don't know about you is his foot speed. Like I think I think in a one on one when the guy's going wide on him, just that that just be a just to get a little bit quicker. So that he can, like, you know, you saw that, like, uh, Alex Tuck just blew right by him. And obviously Tuck is faster and stronger. But um, I think he knows now that he needs to, he needs to, well, his, I think his defensive game is, it'll, it'll take some time. And that's the biggest thing for him is to grow his defensive play. But I think foot speed right now is a glaring thing for him. A lot of it for me is strength on the skates. Like, uh, if you're maybe like if maybe he's a few years older, maybe he has a few more pounds on him, more confidence yeah. that he's able to kind of shove Tuck off. But he, I kind of let him walk past him. And again, you can't blame him. This is he's 20 years old. He's not yeah. the biggest guy. You know, he's just a he's just a rookie. Stuff like that's gonna happen. And you just sometimes, even though yeah. it sucks, you gotta you gotta just you know, take it and you got to learn from it and move on. And really that's all you can do at this point, especially against a team like Vegas. Yeah. And I kind of brought this up the last podcast, which I don't think you were on, but uh, um, one interesting thing about the series is that when the Blackhawks were 
in their heyday. They never really had to go through a series right like this where before they won where they like got destroyed in the first round. I always think of the Pittsburgh Penguins, 2007. They got destroyed in the first round by the Ottawa Senators. It was kind of their first year with all their young guns like Crosby, Malkin. But uh, they learned from it. They went on to the Stanley Cup final next year. They lost yeah. to the Detroit Red Wings in 2009. Of course, they got their first Stanley Cup. And Chicago, when they were kind of, when their young guns like Taves and Kay and their first goal in the playoffs, they made it all the way to the conference final. They never really had that first round exit where they just got obliterated in like a sweeper five yeah. games, you know? They made it right to the conference final and then a cup next year. So they never really had to deal with that. But uh, now with this new core of Kirby Doc, Adam Bofist, Dominic Kubalik even, and even guys like Dylan Strom, Alex Debrinkitz, you know, they, they got to have that tough series. And I think uh, that's going to be really beneficial to them. In the moment, it definitely stings. But uh, looking back on it, it's just Vegas is a superior team and they can definitely use this as a learning step. Debrinkit really impressed me. I think like I thought he was like I thought he was really good like he's um, like he was just working his tail off and you saw how many chances he got and going forward I mean as long as as long as he keeps getting those chances it's he's he has too much goal scoring ability to not be putting those pucks in the net so there as long as those chances are going his way uh, uh, they're gonna go in for him eventually so that was that was nice to see from him. He showed me a lot. Yeah, the thing is with uh, goal scorers, unless your name is Alex Ovechkin, I always bring this up. You're always going to go through slumps. You're always, you might even have one year where your shooting percentage is down. It just there's going to be some times where you score like it's impossible to score, but then you're going to score like three goals on five shots. It's always going to equal out, and I think that's what's going to happen with Alex Debrinket. I expect him next year to be back and maybe pot 30 goals. I don't know if 40 goals is a realistic expectation, but if he can come back, score 30 goals, and especially in this day and age in the NHL, 30 goals is a lot. I think that could be really beneficial for him and the Blackhawks, obviously. Um, Probably the biggest question heading into this offseason is Corey Crawford. Um, Man. He was he was really good. Um, and I don't even think he was really that great in that Edmonton series up until the past the, the, for the last couple games, where, especially game five, where he just stood on his head. And you think of that game four performance where Getty just stood on his head, made 48 saves on 49 shots and gave yeah. the Blackhawks their only one against Vegas. But... Uh, it's a wonder. This guy, he turns 36 in December. Yeah. He's had a lot of uh, injury issues, especially regarding concussions, vertical, a lot of stuff with the head. And he was battling. Co- he had COVID for a bit, but uh, you just wonder: does he is he done with this? Does he come back? And I just want to hear your thoughts on it. I think it would be criminal to not bring him back, so long as he still wants to play, obviously. But I mean, Pierce, yet again, he showed us his resilience. I mean, uh, you mentioned the, you mentioned COVID, and he had rough stretches during these playoffs, but f- he finished off strong. And against Vegas, uh, he was uh, especially. You mentioned the 46 saves in that. Um, that was the second last game, right? Yeah, game four. Yeah, yeah, that was saves, that would have been game four. And and then I, I think in game five he gave them a chance too. So he showed us yet again his resilience, and I think I think it'd be it'd be a travesty if he couldn't come back. Yeah. Um, one thing I think is I don't think 
they'll have trouble resigning them. It's just really a matter of Crawford wants to come back. Um, obviously, he's got a family. He's yeah. got two young uh, kid, children. So um, they just got a new house here, didn't they? I think so. I don't know. Hey, I don't in know. Chicago. I mean, I don't know too much. I'm about pretty sure that. they have a, they have a new house now. So oh, yeah. yeah, I think he's he's settled down in Chicago. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't want to stay. I mean, uh, he's 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 no doubt got the opportunity. Like he knows that he's the starter in Chicago if he stays. Who knows what happens if he goes somewhere else? And you mentioned uh, you think about it. A lot of teams are tight against the cap, and you know I think I think uh, this the market this year is going to be stagnant uh, in a sense because you know teams are going to have to they're going to have to worry about signing their own players. So I think for Crawford. Uh, He'll want to stay in Chicago because he knows that he's the guy here um, for however long he's got left. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I was going to bring up, I completely forget. But, yeah, you bring up the fact that uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, trouble assigning players. The thing is, like, players like Taylor Hall, they're going to get their money. But the thing is that the players kind of in between the minor, like the, the small deals and the – and the big deals are the ones that are going to get squeezed. I think of, like, the Charlie Coyle contract that just got signed before the, the COVID hit. And how lucky is he to have that uh, contract? Same with someone like uh, John Gabriel Pajot, I think, signed six years, $5 million per. So guys like those are really lucky that they got those contracts before the break because I don't think we're really going to see much of those. And those are the guys that are probably going to be affected by the most. And Crawford is probably going to be one of those guys. Um, he's not going to make like $10 million. He's also not going to make league men. You probably th- expect like $5 million. So it's going to be interesting. Does he take a pay cut? Because he's been with this organization since 2003. They drafted him in 2003. He's almost been there 18 years, man. Yeah. But I uh, wonder if he takes a pay cut. You know, he had his, he made all his big money. He's kind of settled down. You wonder if he takes, say, like a $4 million contract. Kind of like the Joe Thornton thing where you just take year by year at a time when you're older don't know if you're gonna retire or not to yeah see how things goes and i think that's how it's gonna go i don't think it's a matter of uh whether uh chicago wants to keep him i think it's a matter of whether he wants to play whether he feels he wants to play despite of all the injuries he's had and yeah. having a family if he wants to come back or not so i think that's the most uh integral part of the yeah. whole thing and uh, just getting on to the rfas uh if you have anything, do you have anything else to add on that the whole Crawford situation? No, no, you you, you continue, Pierce. Okay, so but I, I do I do think Crawford, I do think Crawford will end up taking a, a pay cut though. I do too. I it's just it's so hard for him to to just retire right now and you know and yeah. I think he's still I think he's still got a couple of years left in him. But you know what if that yeah. isn't, if that is indeed the last game we've ever seen Crawford play, you know you can't fault the guy for. You know, retiring to be with his family. Yeah. Got to be thankful of what you had there. And uh, I'm just wondering, before we kind of move on to the topics, how would you feel if we had a goalie like, uh, say, if Crawford didn't resign, worst case scenario, how would you be feel with, say, signing a stopgap goaltender like uh, Cam Talbot or uh, or uh, like an Anton Kudobin, one of those? Well, I'd certainly feel better about it than if we had Delia or Subban starting. Like, I think... I I don't want no offense to those guys, but they're not starting goaltenders. Like so, I, I'd I'd feel I'd feel better about that. But I mean, I think Crawford showed that he can still play at an at an elite level. I mean, 
So I, I hope he stays. Guy had a 917 save percentage on this crappy defense. Like he's still very much an elite goalie. So I just want to read yeah. you off Cam Talbot's stats. So even though Calgary unfortunately went out and they had that really rough, rough uh, game six where it was seven to three, I think. But uh, look at the stats. The Cam Talbot stats this playoffs. He had a 924 save percentage. His career playoffs, he's a 923 save percentage. This season, he had a 919 save percentage, and in his career, he's a 915 save percentage. So how would you feel about Cam Talbot if we say Simon to a cheap contract? Because I don't think he's going to get money like, say, uh, Hopi or Markstrom on, on uh, the free agent market. But, uh, again, we bring up the fact that a lot of these guys kind of in the middle, a guy like Cam Talbot, he might uh, take, say, like a really cheap contract, a one-year contract. How would you feel about that? Uh I think I, I don't think it would be too bad. Um, I think it definitely would be a one-year deal because the Hawks have a, a group of other guys that I think they're going to be focused on signing first. So there'd have to be. I think that'd be. I think the Talbot deal would come after that with whatever money is left. I mean, my God, uh, Bowman said today that they they have some plans or options or whatever uh, for cap space, but. Um, I don't think it would be a bad deal. I mean, uh, he, I, I, he was playing well for Calgary in the playoffs, I'm pretty sure, right? So Yeah, he was 924 um, save percentage, despite had that crazy 7-3 game that they lost. Still to 924. Yeah, yeah so, so he, he took over for Riddick there and was good for them, so that wouldn't be a bad deal at all. But I hope, yeah. I hope that doesn't end up happening, because that would mean that Crawford is uh, not playing in the Hawks, uh, Even in the Hawks then. uniform. Would you be okay if it was like kind of like a 1A, 1B situation where Crawford, you know, maybe takes like a three or four million dollar contract, say you sign Tablet to two million dollars, whatever goal you have in the net, it's a 1A, 1B situation that I mean, you don't have to force Dealey or C run in there. So we added this. I think you were going to ask me if Talbot. All right, yeah. All right, we'll, <laughs> we'll continue here. So. Sorry, we had a disconnection issue, but don't worry, we're back. So uh, how would you feel about a Crawford Talbot uh, tandem? Um, in a in a one A one B situation, I think that would work well, uh, especially with Talbot uh, performing and uh, with Calgary in the playoffs. Um, I think as a backup, I think you could see him have like a Jake Allen type impact, um, like he did in St. Louis. So I think that'd be a good that it wouldn't be a bad idea. It's just God, I, I just it's so hard right now to picture what the cap space situation is going to look like. So it's tough to assume anything, but we'll see what happens. Another goaltending name I want to bring up, he's actually starting for Dallas right now in the playoffs, which is interesting over Ben Bishop. But uh, Anton Godobin right now in this playoff run, he has a 919 save percentage. This regular season, he had a 930 save percentage, and in his career, he's at a 919. How do you feel about him? Uh, he's he's good, man. Like I, uh, every It seems like every game I watch him, he makes a ridiculous save. Where like he's like like for a guy that size to be that athletic, um, I think is very impressive. So he'd be another interesting option. Yeah, definitely. Um, even like he was a 9.30 this year. Even though if his save percentage drops down 10, percent that's still a 9.20 save percentage. So yeah, yeah. be be inter- uh, definitely the most interesting thing this off season is what the Blackhawks do with their goaltending situation because I definitely don't think it's out of the question that Corey Crawford could retire. I don't think it's I don't think they don't resign him because of money issues, but rather, again, 
because of uh, what he just wants to be his family. So um, we have to take that into consideration. And there might be a possibility where if we go look like a guy, look for a guy like a Canto or Anton Kadoman to kind of just be a stopgap, I guess. Um, onto the RFA situation now. Um, again, the, the the cap is tight, so we got guys like Dominic Kubalik, Dylan Strom, Slater Cuckoo, and uh, Drake Kajula. And uh, just wondering, um, what are your thoughts on all the RFAs, and if you could see one of them potentially moving? Because it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to resign all four of them. Yeah, I I just I feel like if there's one guy that's gonna move on, it would be Kajula. But I just I really hope not. I really hope they find a way because. I think we can all agree, the Hawks, their biggest problem, and I know it's a cliche, is it's it's grit. It's that sandpaper that they need. And that that includes Drake Kajula and a guy like Andrew Shaw who wasn't playing. And they need as many guys like that as, as they can get. Um, because when you play against a team like Vegas, you don't want to get pushed around, right? You want to be able to uh, show them that you can fight back. So... I think that's a glaring need for the Hawks, and uh, even a guy like uh, Pia Suter coming in, uh, I think he'll be a good uh, a good piece for the bottom six, or someone like Evan Barrett. I think that that's his name, right? Evan Barrett. Yeah. So even a guy like Evan Barrett, uh, who will be competing <clears throat> for a bottom six roster spot, I think the Hawks are going to have a real good, healthy competition for those spots uh, going into next season. Yeah, um, yeah. You bring up Drake Ajula. The thing is that you want grit, but you also want players that can play besides just bringing body checks and all that. And Drake yeah. Ajula definitely brings that. And um, yeah, it'd be tough to see him go. And Slater Cuckoo, another RFA. It's just I'd love to see him. I think he's great as a third pairing defenseman. The fact that he's able to skate up the ice, uh, drive play, generate offense, and it's just hard to see where he fits in, I mean, unless they get rid of a guy like Ole Mata, if they're somehow able to trim, the, if his trade value went up, or if they buy him out, which will be a relatively cheap option, and it's very likely that they go that route. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see if uh, Slater Cuckoo even has a spot on the team, because obviously you got Keith, Boakfist, Dahan, Murphy, uh, Seabrook if he decides to play, even Ian Mitchell, and I think they would want to get guys like Carlson, Bodine, and in yeah. there, but uh, it just where well, Slater. I love him as yeah. a number six defenseman. It's just interesting to see what they do there. Yeah, he he's certainly a guy that really impressed me this season. Not just in the playoffs, but just this season in general. Even before the break, uh, before COVID hit, and um, you know, I remember when he his first season as a Hawk. The season before, I I'd get super frustrated with him. He seemed like he lacked confidence and would, would always turn the puck over. And so his transition from that year to this season was phenomenal. And he's a, he'd be a great bottom six piece, uh, bottom six. He'd be a great third pairing guy for the Hawks. And he showed he can excel in that role. Um, but at the same time, you need to make space for Ian Mitchell coming in next year. However they do that, I don't know, but you need to make... You need to free up a spot for him. And uh, the log jam on the Hawks uh, back end certainly doesn't help with that. But, uh, yeah, they're they're going to need to free up some space for him. 
another thing we brought up on last last podcast is Jimmy asked us what are some predictions like for moves the Blackhawks would make this offseason and I said it that I think the Blackhawks find a way to move on from Brent Seabrook I saw a tweet from uh, I think it was Jeff Merrick on 31 Thoughts podcast said that Mike Matheson on the Florida Panthers is that they're kind of he's kind of fallen out of favor so I'm thinking even though Mike Matheson is not a good player at all. Probably no. You probably shouldn't be in the <laughs> NHL, honestly. But one of the worst teammates in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is just from a like a straight salary cap perspective. And if you're Brent Seabrook, you know you've had uh, some frustrations for with the management in Chicago, especially with Jeremy Calton taking over and scratching him a few times. And I'm just wondering if that makes sense. Uh, Matheson for Seabrook swap. Seabrook gets to go play in Florida with the uh, coach Q and actually gets playing time there. I don't know what the hell Chicago would do with Mike Matheson, but uh, at least they would have to. <laughs> Down to the AHL you go. Yeah, yeah, making almost $5 million, but that's the thing. Brent Seabrook's almost making $7 million. Oh, so that's definitely. <laughs> It's definitely an economical move, but uh, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if that was able to pull off. You're never going to be able to. You're never going to be able to completely clear Brent Seabrook's seven million, pretty much seven million dollar contract for what another four years, especially at that age. But uh, if you can save a couple million dollars by getting someone like Mike Matheson, even if he doesn't play in your NHL roster, I think that could that's beneficial to them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean. Well said. Uh, you know, with, when it comes to Brent Seabrook's future and uh, where he's going to go, what's going to happen, your guess is as good as mine. And I, I really don't know. Um, I mean, I just like if they uh, it, it would have to be some sort of player swap, bad contract for bad contract. Kind of like Luchin where, you, yeah, where you where you at least give yourself a better chance with the guy you're bringing in to maybe get rid of that guy. But it's like, man, it's just, you know, it's 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 unfortunate in, in Seabrook's case, but you just, you can't have a guy making that much money and not making an impact that would justify making that much money. So, yeah. He's basically yeah, a seventh defenseman on the team. Yeah, I just, I just don't know, Pierce. I, I really don't know what they're going to do, but it's, uh, they have... A lot of options on the table, so we'll see. So we've talked about Slater, Cuckoo, Drake Kajula. Now onto the two big names, Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubelik. Um, I think they have to re-sign Dominic Kubelik. You can't just let a, uh, a Calder finalist walk, especially with the year he had scoring 30 goals in 68 games or whatever it was that he played. And honestly, I as much as I love Dylan Strom, the fact that Kirby Doc played so well in the playoffs, he might... Uh, might have to be the one who goes because even though I know guys yeah. like Alex DeBrin can love him, Patrick Kane love him, but uh, tough decisions unfortunately need to be made. And we've seen in the past the Blackhawks making those decisions, trading away guys like Jalmerson and Panarin who are popular in the Blackhawks room, but uh, they got traded. So I think we might see the same with uh, Dylan Strom. And if he can potentially net like somehow a top four, a cheap top four defenseman, I was thinking like Jonas Brodin on Minnesota maybe because maybe Minnesota wants to bolster up their because honestly, Dylan Strom won't cost them us for whatever team is acquiring him. Yeah. I, was, I was even thinking about the Islanders, maybe uh, a Dylan Strom for Devon Taves swap, because I think Devon Taves is also a RFA. 
So New York Islanders can maybe sign Dylan Strom relatively cheaper than they could with Devontae's, and maybe they sign Taves. I don't know. This is just me just spitballing being an HL20 GM. But uh, I don't know, man. I think it's, it's it's very likely that we could potentially see a Dylan Strom trade this summer. Uh, I just want to yeah. hear your thoughts on um, that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think preferably I'd, I'd like to keep both. And because I, I think I think Strom could be a really good third line center for the Hawks, uh, just um, yeah. Sorry, I lagged lagged a bit there. Oh no, okay, um, good, yeah. Strom Strom. Uh, I think I think Strom could be a, a really good third line center for the Hawks in the situation we're in right now. Um, but I think Kubalik. I mean. It, yeah, it all depends on Kubalik because he has every right to demand for more money than expected. So, you know, there, uh, Stan Bowman's going to have to wait and see what Kubalik wants first because um, I think he's he should be higher on the priority list than Strom. Um, so it, it depends on what Kubalik wants. And, you know... I don't want to. I hate to put this kind of pressure on the guy, or this kind of label. But in certain areas of his game, he reminds me of Marion Hosa with his with his two way game and just his ability um, uh, to take uh, to take away the puck from guys um, and his work ethic, and even even the goal scoring. You know, Hosa was a good goal scorer. So, uh, and then also um, Taves hasn't had that third consistent line mate uh, since Hosa. So, yeah, Kubalik's a guy you want to keep around, and we're, I think Strom's going to have to wait and see what Kubalik wants or what contract he's going to get. Yeah, and this whole thing of, like, the free agents negotiating with the GMs, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out because I think GMs have maybe a bit more leverage than they think they do because – interesting to see if these players are going to say all right i'll take a maybe a three-year contract with less money because i get that guarantee of being in, in chicago or whatever any other city for that matter because of all the things that have been going on so i might as well just take that term and money i don't know it's gonna be interesting to see how that whole like negotiating works out whether or not players are going to just go going to you to a free agency or if they're going to just take uh say like long-term deals but cheap deals i don't know it's going to be it's definitely the most interesting thing that's going to be happening in the nhl in my opinion i think guys like taylor hall are going to get paid but uh middle of the pack guys how are brought this up already how are they going to get paid you know um it's gonna be interesting um so anything else do you have to add to that um I think we covered uh, um, we covered all that stuff. Uh, going forward, we're going to be uh, doing more podcasts, and it'll it'll be a lot of reaction to moves that the Hawks make. And also, Pierce, we didn't even touch on this, but um, the Hawks are now well probably looking more into uh, who the next president's going to be. Oh yeah, we we heard some we we heard some comments from. Uh, Rocky words saying that it's not just going to be another hockey retread. So, right, so I hope I it's someone I'm... that balances.
Sorry, I haven't um, seen much of this, so I think you have a bit more knowledge on that, so I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Um, yeah, I hope it's... Because um, who knows? I mean, we've heard we've heard all this talk that oh, Stan and Jeremy are going to stay. They're not getting fired. Um, uh, well, guess what? <laughs> Rocky Words also said the same thing about uh, uh, John, John McDonough, McDonough, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so you don't know, but I think... At this point, you want to bring in a guy who's who balances the business side of things and the hockey side of things. And you certainly, uh, from my perspective, I think the most important thing is that you want a guy that's not going to be afraid to make change. And that's a big thing in the Blackhawks organization because they've had this boys club thing uh, going on for a long time now where it's like they're just like everyone's safe almost so it's like yeah yeah it's definitely going to be an interesting offseason for the blackhawks and also another thing is they're officially picking 17 so uh, what are some players that in that range that you'd be interested in the blackhawks picking um so i've uh i know you guys uh, I, I rely on you guys a lot um for for some of the European guys like uh, Amirov and I know Mysak came over uh, and played played yeah Mishak played with played Hamilton you completely cut out there once again, we're having all right. Sorry. Once again, we're having some disconnection issues, but uh, don't worry, we'll uh, battle through it. Uh, so, uh, back on the topic of who the Blackhawks could draft at 17. Um, again, what are your thoughts on some players that they could target at that range? Okay, I'll, I'll make it quick. Um, so, I think we're looking at guys like Rodion Amirov, uh, Russian forward, and Jan Mishak, Czech forward, who recently uh during the season came over to the ohl and played with the hamilton bulldogs and so he looked good um those are two guys that i think you want to get and i think um wally wally mentioned this in the group chat that they the hawks need to focus on getting another top end forward prospect at this point in time i think we can agree that uh, they have one of the better d prospect cores in the league so getting another top-end uh, forward prospect is huge for them. All right, so I pulled this up. Uh, this was Corey Promen doing a mock draft. He does work at The Athletic for prospects. And on his mock draft, he had the Chicago Blackhawks picking Dawson Mercer at 17, which wouldn't be terrible. He says, Chicago tends to target skill and hockey sense in its draft picks. Attributes that Mercer has in bunches. I think fellow Canadian centers Connor Zari or Seth Jarvis, if he gets to number 17, also makes sense for those reasons. Russian winger Rodion Amirov had a strong summer tournament for Russia's U-20 team, and some scouts think he moved his way into the mix in the teens, which would also make sense for Chicago and the kind of player they like. So I think we can expect uh, those aforementioned players, guys like Dawson Mercer, Connor Zari, Seth Jarvis, and Rodion Amirov to be in that range, and some dark horse players that I like, Noel Gundler, who, again, I've, I've brought this up so many times. A yeah. lot of skill, 
but uh, he's just dropping down the rankings because he's had some supposed attitude issues with the Sweden teams. I don't, I don't read too much into that. I read into, again, I'm not like a professional scout, so I'm kind of an outside perspective. So I read into like how much high end skill they have, and Gundler just has so much high skill. I would argue top ten skill in this draft, and. Yeah, those are some of the players. Another player that I put in there, maybe he's a bit uh, lower ranked, but I've, I've been really high on. I've really liked his game. Like what I've really liked him more and more. And another, he's an, a center, and is, he's Maverick Bork. He plays for Shawinigan in the QMJHL. They were just an awful team this year, but I really liked his game on. Despite playing a crappy team, he's an incredible playmaker. He plays with high pace. Um, He's very good under. He's very underrated uh, two-way game as well, which again speaks to volumes to his character that he was able to play that well on a crappy team on Shawinigan. So yeah, those are some guys I think the Blackhawks should look after. Look at at spots and uh, yeah, again, a lot of things uh, the Blackhawks have to do this offseason. You got the salary cap, or they can be able to. Is Corey Crawford retired? Does he resign? Do they sign all those four guys with Kubalik, Strom, uh, Kajula, and Cuckoo? Who do they pick at number 17? Just and what do they do with their presence? There's just so many questions with the Chicago Blackhawks team. We're gonna have Scott Powers on to hopefully. Um, uh, answer some of those questions if stuff doesn't happen in the next bit. I think he'll be on next week. We don't know the exact time, but obviously all the information, all that stuff will be tweeted out. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, Vinny, do you have anything else to add before we uh, wrap up here? No, uh, I think, um, well, I think we're going to, we're going to see a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, moves being made by the Hawks in the coming weeks and, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, and it's funny because the Hawks organization always seems to be uh, seems to be so hush hush about things that like we just like no no one knew that McDonough was gonna get fired. Like it's like it's so yeah. Even even when it comes down to like something like an injury, the Hawks are pretty quiet about things. So uh, I'm sure we'll be taken by surprise with. Uh, uh, some or maybe even one move uh, that the Hawks end up making. Yeah, they always seem to make those splashes on draft day, so I wonder if that will uh, happen this year. So, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this podcast. Hope you're staying safe, social distancing, washing your hands, wearing masks, all that good stuff. So, for Pearson Vinny, take it easy, everyone, and peace. Talk to you next time.